Amen. How are we doing? All right. You should be more excited than that. It's Baptism Sunday. There's a baptism here in the nine. That's, that's the one today, so you should be more excited that you came to the nine. You get more fun today. Um, my name's Chris. I'm one of the pastors here. Glad you're with us. Uh, we're, we are excited to celebrate uh, baptism uh, here in a little bit. And uh, also, I would like to take a moment to, uh, on behalf of uh, the pastors, Nathan, um, just, uh, just say thank you for the, the kind uh, appreciation gift uh, that you gave us uh, last week in honor of Pastor Appreciation Month. And uh, it was really a joy to read through some of those cards and, and just see uh, just great encouragement. I'm sure, I'm sure all the other guys uh, feel much the same way. So thank you for that. Well, it only uh, seems fitting that on a day that we, uh, we get to hear uh, from a missionary uh, and celebrate a baptism, which you know, baptism, of course, is uh, a, an outward testimony and expression of the fruit of mission uh, uh, that we would talk about living on mission. And so uh, after all, we worship a, a missionary God uh, who, who comes and, and rescues us, saves us, and then sends us to be a missionary people, to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe and obey all that Jesus Christ commands us. Uh, And so God saves us and God sends us. That's what He does. He sends us to join Him on the mission of making disciples. Uh, Some of us He sends to the other side of the world to go to unreached people groups, to go to other nations, to be a part of of church planning movements and and seeing people meet Jesus and hear the gospel in their own language for the very first time, kind of like what you were hearing earlier today. Uh, Because after all, the mission of God is to be taken to the ends of the earth. And and so, so God will call the people that he has for himself from every nation, tribe, and tongue. And so, so some people he sends all the way across the world. Some he sends across the street. Right? To be a witness in the neighborhood, seeking to join Christ in the mission of the gospel in the place where he has us. And so we desire here at Redeemer to be a church on mission. We want to be, and, and we are, a, a sending church. Uh, we, we sent out a church planner to plant a new church in Terre Haute uh, a couple years ago, David Ralston. Uh, we, we are engaged in ongoing support and partnership with, with church plants and missions in, in the nation of Brazil, France, Japan, uh, Michigan, the nation of Michigan, uh, Ohio, Missouri, here in Indiana as well. Um, Michigan is a great nation as well. It's not just Texas. Um, we, we pray uh, by God's grace, though, that we would increasingly be uh, ascending church, uh, a church where we are raising up from within here, church planters, uh, equipping them, preparing them, sending them out to plant churches uh, throughout the, the region here of, of southern Indiana uh, to, and, and regionally, globally, uh, all, all over the place. But we also desire to be a church where every member of Christ's body, every Christian, every believer in Christ is living on mission right here, right now. That's our, our heartbeat. And so today we're going to kind of step out of our series in Galatians and we're going to take a look at Jeremiah 29 uh, verses 4 through 7. And in this passage, God gives us a call and, and some instructions for living on mission as God's people in this place and in this time. So I invite you to turn there in your Bibles, Jeremiah 29, 4 through 7. It's on page 656 on those Bibles on your row. Uh, by the way, if you don't have a copy of the Scripture for yourself, we, had, we do have some copies out at the connection table. We'd love to give you as a gift to take with you as well. But let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. 
Jeremiah 29, verses 4 through 7. Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we thank you that you are a missionary God who, while we were running in the opposite direction from you, loved us and had mercy on us and pursued us in sending your Son to live and die and be raised for us, to save us from our sin, to pay our debt in full, to restore us to a right relationship with you. We thank you that you come after us and you save us and that you, you give us purpose, inviting us to share in that glorious work that you accomplished for us, the work of seeking redemption and renewal in the places where you call us and send us and have us. Uh, Lord, we pray this morning uh, that for most of us in this room, we, we are living in Bloomington, uh, at least for the moment. And uh, we pray that you would give us your heart for this city, this place that you have sent us. And Lord, that you would open our eyes and stir our hearts and move our bodies, our mouths, every part of our being to engage in the mission that you've called us to be a part of in making disciples, sharing the good news of Jesus, equipping, coming alongside, offering relationships, serving, meeting needs, and, and pointing people to the hope that we have in Christ, the only hope that we can have in Christ. But would you use us in a mighty way for your glory and for the joy of many people? We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may have a seat. So in this passage, uh, we see kind of the answers, I think, to, to three basic questions of living on mission, the questions of where, how, and why. And so that's kind of the framework we're going to take to walk through uh, this, this, these few verses, digging into what God has for us here. So first, the question of where. Where is living on mission to happen? And the answer God gives us here is that we are to be living on mission where God has you. Where, wherever God has you. That may sound at first a little bit like a non-answer, but it's really not. Let me explain by talking a little bit about the context of, of this passage here in Jeremiah. God is speaking through the prophet Jeremiah uh, to the Israelites who have been taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. And as they enter into this experience of, of living as exiles, right, in a culture that is hostile to their faith, you know, taken into exile in the city of Babylon, uh, it, they, they're, they're in the midst of a culture uh, with all sorts of different ideas about how to live your life, uh, what to build your life upon, what's good, what's right, what's wrong. Uh, all sorts of different kind of conflicting worldviews. It's a, it's a very fragmented society there in Babylon. Uh, does that sound familiar to anyone? Um, we, we too live in a very fragmented culture. 
filled with all sorts of conflicting worldviews. Uh, we find ourselves living here in a city. Uh, those of you who live here in Bloomington, we live in a city. If you live in the United States of America, you live in a culture that is increasingly uh, hostile in many ways and, and opposed to the Christian faith. So we can't play this, this uh, you know, but our time and, and culture is different card and as an excuse for not living on mission. Uh, because the exiles, they're in Babylon uh, every bit, if not more so, are experiencing uh, that sort of culture. And God is yet still calling them to live in a, in a very particular way on mission in that place. My point is this, is, is you and I may sometimes feel like we are living in exile. And in a very real sense, we are uh, living as exiles. But, but here is God speaking to exiles, living in the midst of a city and a culture that in every way seems opposed to God and opposed to their faith. And in that situation, the exiles, uh, the, the Israelite exiles kind of believe that they were facing uh, essentially two options as they enter into this, this life in Babylon. And if, essentially they think they have two options. Option one, is they can kind of remain outside the city of Babylon, kind of create their own little, uh, you know, and again, I know this is the Israelites, but for our sake, little Christian commune, uh, kind of hiding out on the, ex, the outskirts of town, just huddling up together, staying together, not going into that big, bad, wicked city, having as little to do with it as possible, just kind of huddling up, hunkering down, playing it safe, right? Keep themselves separate and therefore keep their distinct identity as God's people, right? This is, uh, by definition, uh, sectarianism, right? kind of the approach of we are not going to be uh, affected by that big, bad, evil world out there. And so what we're going to do is we're going to huddle up kind of outside somewhere where it's a little bit safer, where it feels a little bit more protected, where we can just huddle up together, be together, encourage one another, keep each other strong. Because, man, if we get out there too much into that culture, into that city, that city will corrupt us. It will remove our distinct identity as God's people. We will be completely lost so let's hide out. We'll hide out over here. We'll, we'll hope that people maybe come find us, right? Maybe if we, if we shout loud enough and sing loud enough in our churches, in the suburbs, people from that wicked city will, will find their way out to us, and, and they'll find Christ, and they'll be redeemed. That, that's kind of one option they, they feel like they're facing. The other option, option two, is really kind of the option that the Babylonians are, are hoping for, is they want to pull the Israelites into the city, simply have them move into the city and be completely absorbed into it, to embrace all the values of that city, to embrace the, the customs of the city, to just become like it in every way, to lose their identity, their distinctiveness as God's people, and just become... Babylonian, uh, one with the culture, with all of both its beauty and its wickedness. And that, by definition, is syncretism, right? Where we enter into a culture and we lose ourselves in that culture. We no longer are, can be distinguished from the culture. There's no identifiable marks that we are God's people, that we are Christians anymore. We just look like the culture. We have the same values as the culture. Whatever the culture says and celebrates, we say and we celebrate. We become just one with it. And there's no longer any identity, really, as God's people. 
And those are essentially the two options that the, the exiles of Israel think they're facing as they enter into this period of, of living in exile in Babylon. That that's it. But God, through the prophet Jeremiah here, instructs them with a third option. A third option. And God, what he says here is he says, I want you to move into the city and plant yourselves there. To move into the city and at the same time keep your distinct identity as my people. God calls them to enter the city and he calls them to unpack their bags. You're going to be here for a while. Settle in. Build houses. Plant gardens. Reap their produce. You see, it takes time to plant a garden and then be there long enough to reap the produce and, and eat from it. Get married. Have children. Raise those children. See those children get married and have children. Do you see what God's saying? He's saying, unpack your bags. You're going to be here. You need to live here. You need to settle in here. But at the same time, you need to keep your distinct identity. He's not saying, you know, give your sons and daughters and, and marry them off to all the Babylonians. He's raised them in the faith. Give them to one another. Multiply. Not multiply with the Babylonians. Multiply God's people in this place while you're living in exile. That's what God says to them. I want you to move in there, plant yourself there, and keep your distinct identity as God's people. It's kind of what Jesus talks about, you know, in the world, not of the world, in the city, but not of the city. Even more, God tells them to be in the city for the city to serve its good, to seek its welfare. And here's what I think God is saying to you and me through this. He's calling us to be a people who live on mission wherever he has us. Wherever he has you, right here, right now, be living on mission, keeping your identity as God's people, entering in, building relationships, planting yourself, unpacking your bags, not just looking for the next thing. In the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the, the Greek word that's translated there, go, as in go make disciples, it really carries with it this understanding of as you are going. In, in other words, wherever you're at, wherever you find yourself, wherever God takes you through your life, as you are there, you're to live on mission. You're to engage in the mission that he's called you to of making disciples, baptizing them, teaching them, instructing them. God doesn't say, hey, you know, just wait there until I bring you out of exile and then you can start to really live on mission. That's not what he, he says to us. He doesn't say, just focus on your studies uh, for these four, six decade, uh, years. Um, just focus on your studies until I provide you a job and kind of lead you to a more permanent landing spot, and then you can join me on mission. Uh, he doesn't say, just wait until you find some more spare time in your life. Like, well, just wait till the kids get out of their diapers and into school. Uh, just wait till, you know, you know a little bit more. No, he says, wherever you are, 
both in location, place of life, wherever you are, that is where you are to live on mission as my people. And for most of us in this room, he has us at this time in Bloomington, Indiana. Maybe for a few more weeks, maybe a few more months, maybe a couple years, maybe for the rest of our days. He has us here. That doesn't really, it doesn't really matter how long he has you here. Right here, right now, God is saying to you, unpack your bags, settle in, open your eyes to the opportunities I am placing before you to live as my people in this place, to join me in the work that I have saved you and sent you into, making disciples. That doesn't mean that God won't call you elsewhere. Doesn't mean that he's not going to give you a job in Indianapolis in a year. Doesn't mean that he might stir in your heart a call to plant a church in Chicago or call you to be a part of a church planting movement in the Middle East. God might do that. And I, I pray by God's grace that he would do that in this place, that he would lead people to plant churches in other parts of Indiana. United States, all around the globe for the glory of God and for the good of others. I pray that as he sends students and and young adults out of this city to find jobs in big cities, that he he would increasingly send you with intentionality, not just looking for a job and a paycheck, but where can I go join Christ on mission and use the skills and the gifts and the abilities, the things I've learned to serve his kingdom, and to make the name of Christ famous in whatever place he takes me to. I pray that he increasingly does that. But even as he stirs your heart and he prepares you maybe to go to another place, he's still calling you to live on mission wherever you are. You know, we don't wait till God calls us to go around to the other side of the earth to actually start living as a Christian who shares the hope of Jesus with others. Like the preparation for going to the other side of the world to share the good news of Jesus is to start doing that across the street from where you live or in the apartment next door. And so the question is, where are you right now? Where does God have you? Have you unpacked your bags? Or are you just too busy waiting for the next thing? Have you opened your eyes to the the opportunities that Jesus is putting before you to be his missionary? To live on mission right here, right now. I want you to, to know this. God's word is very plain. You are called to live on mission. You are sent to live on mission for the gospel of Jesus Christ wherever God has you. So that's the answer to the where question, but, but there's also an answer here to the how. We are to be living on mission by, by seeking shalom. Look again at verse 7. It says, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. How are you to live on mission where God has you? By seeking the welfare of the place that he has sent you. 
And this word that, that's translated welfare here in verse 7 is the Hebrew word shalom. Uh, and shalom is, is most often translated in the Bible as, as peace or welfare, depending on your translation. But the word shalom really carries with it this, this much richer and deeper understanding uh, than, than just the words peace or welfare can really kind of give us. Shalom carries with it really this understanding of wholeness, fullness, flourishing. It really kind of points to things being the way God designs and intends for them to be. People, cities, the creation itself, enjoying the fullness and flourishing that God creates and designs them for. And when shalom happens, there is joy and peace and fullness and flourishing. And so how are, how are we to seek to live on mission? By seeking shalom, seeking gospel renewal and redemption for the city of Bloomington, seeking after our city that it might enjoy more of God's fullness and flourishing here and now and increasingly as we await the return of Christ. We should take note of the repetition of this phrase, I have sent, throughout these verses. It's repeated over and over again in these just few verses. I have sent, I have sent you. We shouldn't understand the exiles of Israel in Babylon just kind of being there by chance. Like, oh, this just sort of happened and now what are we supposed to do? But this is God's design, God's intention, God's plan. He sent them there. And in the same way, we shouldn't just understand ourselves living in this city at this time, whatever place of life you're in, whether you're a student or you know, somebody who's settled in here or been here your whole life. We shouldn't understand ourselves as just happening to be in Bloomington by chance, but rather, uh, or it's just like this necessary step in kind of your grand plan for your life. But rather, you should see yourself as being sent by God to this place for this time. And God tells the exiles that, that they are his sent people, sent to be ambassadors of, of shalom. They are to be the instruments that God is using to bring redemption and renewal and restoration to the city. And we have that same call right here. Uh, you may have lived here your whole life. Uh, you may have moved here for a job. You may be an exile right? Living in exile as a student at IU. But every Christian in this place, you are a sent people to Bloomington to seek shalom for this city and its people. And the work of seeking shalom for Bloomington begins and ends with praying to the Lord on its behalf. You know, maybe some of you, and, and I hear this a lot of times because we are such a transient town, and people, even Christians, unfortunately, uh, I think just use our city for what it can give them. And it can't wait to get out of town. Can't wait to get out of this place, get on with my life. Maybe that's you. Maybe you feel like you just can't stand this city because you feel just the opposition uh, to your faith, to God. It's some, it's very real and very present in the midst of our culture here. Maybe your hardness towards this place has created a barrier for you in kind of reaching out to others and, and seeking to, you know, serve them, love them, share the hope of Christ with them. If only there was something that God had given us that he would use to reorient our hearts, right? 
That's what happens in prayer, right? God uses prayer to bring our hearts in line with His, to begin to see our city as He sees it, with eyes of love, eyes of mercy. Jesus has people in this place, people that He is waiting and and expecting and planning to use you and I to help be a part of His calling them to Himself. His people that He sent you to, to be an ambassador of shalom to them. And so you need to pray for our city. Pray for it to experience more of God's fullness and flourishing. Pray for the people of the city to know Christ and the joy and the freedom that can only be found in Him. Pray for God to show you how He's calling you, calling you to seek shalom in this place. And as you pray to the Lord on behalf of Bloomington, God will certainly open your eyes to opportunities to to seek shalom by loving actual people in this place. Not like theoretically loving people, but loving actual people with names and stories. Neighbors, coworkers, classmates, to offer them a relational presence, to reach out, invite them into friendship, seeking to build relationships for the, for the sake of shalom, for the sake of the gospel. How might you do that? Well, maybe you invite your, your neighbor, or your coworker over to your place for dinner and you fix them a nice meal and you break bread together and you, you ask them good questions and you learn to be a good listener and you, you try to get to know their story. You, you open your home and your life to investing in other people. And as you build relationships, you seek to leverage opportunities to, to take those relationships and, and kind of connect them to your, your Christian community, your, your local church, the, 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 the band of brothers and sisters that you belong to as a, as a believer in Christ. You know, our community groups, we have an intentional rhythm that we, we desire for our groups to be practicing hospitality. And, the, and kind of the definition of hospitality is kind of creating spaces for outsiders to become insiders. And so leveraging those opportunities with your community group to invite actual friends, that you, actual people that you are loving and building relationships with, trying to use those as opportunities to connect people to community, connect them to other believers, creating your own opportunities for that, inviting people over for a game night or, you know, whatever it is that you do. I don't play games. I don't like games. Thank you. There's another brother in the room who gets me. You know, I enjoy watching people play games and then not partaking in that. Uh, You know, maybe it's going out to eat together. I do like to do that. Um, Watching a movie. Again, you know, I, I don't know. Doing things together. Having a cookout. It's a Balmy 20 degrees this week. Seems like a great time for a cookout. Uh, But, you know, get creative. Think of things that you can invite others into. Um, You can look for opportunities to serve others. I mean, to seek shalom by practical acts of service and generosity. Uh, An easy on-ramp to maybe this, living in this way, if you, you don't really know where to begin, would be, hey, there happens to be this thing called the care clinic next Saturday, and, and you could sign up to be a part of that. Uh, and the care clinic is, is, not, is really a vision there, not just of like, let's hand out stuff 
Let's just meet practical needs and just hand out stuff. But really the intentionality of every uh, person or family unit that's going to come through here gets an advocate is what we call them, assigned from our church to kind of walk with them through that, that care clinic. An opportunity not just to, to give them stuff, but to build a relationship, to seek to get to know a story, to listen, to offer uh, prayer, to seek to share the gospel, and to seek to maybe create a, an on-ramp to an ongoing relationship. And we've seen God begin to create relationships through, through serving in those ways. And so next Saturday, there's an easy opportunity for you to maybe enter into that and maybe give you a vision for then how do I, how do I live this in my own sphere, in my own neighborhood, in my own kind of spheres of relationships? You know, maybe, maybe one of the ways you can serve your neighborhood is creating a space for people to connect with one another, then they don't really know how to do that by creating opportunities for people to get together. Uh, maybe it's offering, again, that relational presence to really listen to someone as they're going through, bearing their burdens with them, seeking to understand what they're going through. Um, maybe it's helping meet practical needs, helping a neighbor rake leaves or shovel their driveway or build a deck or whatever it is that they're doing. You've been called to love, called to serve, right? You've been sent to love, sent to serve. And you've also been sent to speak to share the good news of the gospel with your words to other people. Romans 10, 14 says, How then will they call on, the, on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? God has ordained that the way that he brings people through to salvation is through the preaching of the gospel. One, one person sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with another. One person sharing the good news of, of Christ's perfect life, sacrificial death, glorious resurrection to pay for our sins and to welcome us, welcome us back in a restored relationship with God. For one person to share that message with another person and, and through the hearing of that message, God opens hearts and saves people and calls them to himself. As a Christian, you've been entrusted with the gospel message. Not for yourself only, but to share it, to make it known, to tell others how Jesus has saved you by grace through faith in Him, to tell others that they're under the curse of sin and in need of rescue apart from God, and that God has provided that rescue in the person and work of His Son, Jesus, who lived the sinless life that they never could, who died the death that they deserve for their sins in their place was raised victorious over sin and death, and that by turning from their sin, seeking to live for themselves, and turning instead to trust on Christ for Him to be their hope, for Him to be their joy, to cling to Him in saving faith, they can experience not only forgiveness, but being welcomed into the family of God, adopted as sons and daughters, invited to share in the full inheritance of glory with Christ when He returns to renew and restore and usher in the fullness of ultimate shalom. In the meantime, we have been invited to live on mission by seeking shalom in this place. Loving, serving, speaking, praying for our city. Lastly, we also get the answer to the why question. You get that answer in understanding that you are to be living on mission for God's glory and your joy. Jeremiah says at the end of verse 7 that in seeking the city's welfare or shalom, you will find your welfare, your shalom. 
That is to say that as you seek the fullness and flourishing of this place, you find, you, you find yourself uh, experiencing more and more the fullness and flourishing uh, of God in your own life. It's not unlike kind of the, the John Piper quote, the very famous Piper quote, if you ever read Desiring God or probably listened to any John Piper sermon. Um, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. That God is most glorified when He is our ultimate joy, when He alone is our satisfaction. But it also kind of works in reverse. When God is, is being elevated and glorified above all else in our life, we find that we experience greater and deeper joy. That's kind of the, the foundation of what Piper calls Christian hedonism. And the same, it's the same thing I think Jeremiah is kind of getting at here. When we live for the spread of the fame of Jesus, seeking to make Him known in our city, seeking the renewal, the shalom of our city, ultimately by, by making Christ known to others, sharing the gospel. When we do that, God is glorified and we experience joy. He's glorified and we experience joy. He's lifted up in our prayers. Jesus is lifted up in our prayers. He's lifted up in our loving, in our serving, in our speaking the good news of the gospel to others. He's glorified and we are fulfilled because what is the whole purpose that God created us for? to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. And when we're fulfilling the purpose that we were created for, we find joy there. We find greater joy, increasing joy. God made us all in His image to reflect His glory back to Him and to enjoy Him. And Jesus saves us and He sends us. This is His purpose in saving us, that we would glorify Him and enjoy Him and that's what we're doing when we're living on mission. And so when we're seeking shalom for our city, we find increasing shalom for ourselves. Why do we live on mission? Because Jesus lived on mission for us. It's the gospel that, that motivates and moves us on mission for others. It's the gospel and seeing what Christ has done to come and rescue you. While you were living your life hostile to the gospel, while you were opposed to God and to faith, while you were very much running in the opposite direction from Him, Jesus came after you in love and in mercy. He came after you. At your very worst, He lived the sinless life you could not for you. Fulfilling the law in your place. While you were mocking him, Jesus went to his cross, taking your sin upon his shoulders and died in your place the death you deserve. And he was raised that you, by his grace, might too be awakened, enlivened to faith in him. Remembering all that Christ has done to save you from sin and death, and welcome you into his family. That's what moves you and I to start to live on mission, where he has us, seeking shalom. It's the gospel that moves you to step out and love your neighbors, to serve, to speak up, and actually, with your mouth, share the good news of Christ with others. In a, 
a study called The Gospel-Centered Life by Bob Thune and Will Walker. They write this. They say, God's grace is, is the driving force of all change. Internally, the grace of God moves me to see my sin, respond in repentance and faith, and then experience the joy of transformation. Externally, the grace of God moves me to see opportunities for love and service, respond in repentance and faith, and experience joy as I see God work through me. In other words, the gospel is not just the answer to your internal sins, struggles, and heart idols. It is also the answer to your failure to love others, engage the culture, and live missionally. If the gospel is renewing you internally, it will be propelling you externally. Like truly, if, if, if the gospel, the good news of Christ is taking root in our hearts, it will move you. It will compel you out towards others to love, to serve, to share what Christ has done with them. There's a reality that if you're a believer in Christ, then you and I, we're, we're, we're here in this room today because God sent someone, or really probably someones, into our lives, propelled them out by His love to, to share, to serve, to love, extend relationship with you, and, and speak the good news of the gospel into your life. I know I'm here because of the first three friends I met my freshman year of college, Love me enough to share Jesus with me. And they loved me enough and were faithful friends enough that even after I ditched them uh, to chase after a girl, they were faithful to still be pursuing me and to be there to love me and point me back to Christ when that relationship came crashing down. I'm here because a campus minister uh, sought me out, invited me to lunch. First time I came into a campus ministry meeting my junior year of college uh, at that campus ministry and welcomed me into friendship, started studying the Bible with me, sharing the gospel with me. I, I could keep going. There's, there's a number of people, I'm sure, in each and every one of our lives, if you're a believer in this room, that you can point to that God sent into your life that he used to love you, to serve you, to point to you, to speak the words of the gospel into your life. But ultimately, you and I are here because Jesus came after us. And if you don't know Christ, I pray, I pray that you see Jesus loves you, that he, uh, he has set aside everything to live and die and be raised to save you from sin and death and welcome you into relationship with him. And I pray that you'd see how much Jesus has made of you so that he might free you to make much of him and that you would embrace him in faith today. Believers, I, I, I pray that you'd see that as well and that it would move you to enjoy Christ and make much of him by living on mission right where God has you right now, not sometime down the road, not once you get to that next spot, not once you lock in the next thing or life opens up and gets a little freer. That doesn't happen, by the way. Uh, it's constantly getting busier. The gospel might free you from the emptiness of simply using Christ for blessing to truly giving your life in service of his glory. And then in that, you would actually find deeper, true, and lasting joy. May the gospel remind you of God's grace for you, even his grace for you and your failure to live on mission, that his grace might move you to repentance and faith, opening your eyes and seizing opportunities to serve, to love, to speak the gospel of grace to others for God's glory and your joy. Let me pray. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, this time, and we pray that you would enable us by your grace to truly live on mission where you have us. Lord, would you open our eyes even right now, open our hearts to the people you have sent us to, the people that we interact with day by day in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our classes. Lord, would you give us your eyes, your mercy for them? Would you give us your heart for this city? And would you propel us by your grace to love, to serve, to give our lives in service of your glory, to speak the good news of Jesus to others that you might call them to faith in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.